0: Explore Your Spirit with Kayla. Journey with Kayla as she speaks with researchers, artists, teachers and healers, delving into topics of ancient mysteries, metaphysical explorations and new discoveries from science and spiritual arenas. Explore Your Spirit with Kayla can be found online at exploreyourspirit.com Visit the website for more podcasts, articles, metaphysical news, and upcoming events. Welcome to Explore Your Spirit. I'm your host, Kayla. We're speaking this evening with John Gray, author of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, and his newest book, Why Mars and Venus Collide. John, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thanks so much. Happy
0: to be here. Uh, such a pleasure to have you on the show. And I have to tell you to start that years ago when my husband and I first got married, uh, we were probably about six weeks into our marriage. And my husband was up late one night. And the next morning when I woke, he said, I have to talk to you about something. And of course, me being a Venusian, I went right into Oh, my gosh, what's wrong. And he said, I think we should order these tapes. And it was a TV commercial for your tapes about the men are from Mars, women are from Venus and of course as a Venusian I first went to, oh no, is there something wrong with our relationship? Why is is, you know my my new husband who I'm so in love with why does he want to talk about these things already? And uh, he just thought that they were wonderful the way they were presented and thought that would be great for us to communicate and we bought those tapes and I just can't begin to tell you how many times we referred to them how much they've helped and all these years later we're still happily married and we still use your buzzwords he'll say I need some cave time and I'll explain uh, things that I need as well and I just really want to tell you I'm a huge fan and appreciate the work that you've done and how much of an impact it's had in our lives. Well, thank you so much. So, <laughs> it's wonderful, and I love to see that you're still writing books. And it couldn't be more timely. Now I'm looking at your new book and I've had the pleasure to read it. And you know, here I am. I've, um, I'm executive director of the Ryan Research Center. I've got the talk show. I've, I've got my book out. I'm running 100 miles an hour, and you write this book on stress between couples. And I was like, here it is again. It's like you know us, John. You write a book for us every
1: Time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's definitely in response to what's going on today because we're experiencing more stress than ever before in history. I mean, this is a huge thing and it takes its effect on, on our relationships and we can cope with that if we have, if we have a better understanding of what we're dealing with.
0: Do you think this is a good thing that that women are more in the work field and and that this uh, th- the chaos that happens because of our lives and how far stretched we are? Do you do you think it's it has good things as well or is it? Well, just it has it good tougher? things
1: as well. It's progress. It's just that every time you take a step forward, you leave problems behind and you develop new things, but you create new problems. And so this book is addressing the new problem of the stress that we've created in our lives. I mean, with opportunity to be more whole and complete and express our talents, our gifts, to actualize our inner potential, this is what the world's about now. And it used to be that people were, you know, hadn't yet grown in their capacity to develop sort of the inner knowing within themselves and their inner gifts, and they were pretty much, you know, guided by others, and we lived our lives by rules, and there were good rules that helped women, and there were good rules that helped men, and we sort of lived in our separate worlds. But to truly actualize, to develop our full potential, we need to integrate both the masculine and feminine side of both of us. You know, the man needs to find both sides within him. The woman needs to find both sides within her. And women have sort of lead the way in this. Women are, are the, the female spirit is about change and improvement and growth and nurturing and, and development in that way. And men are more about, you know, if there's a problem, let's solve it. Let's fix it. So, uh, women have created sort of a new problem, <laughs> which is this stress. And, and I say that with respect in that women have taken this step, and they're saying it's not enough just to be doing the female-type life. We want to also do what men have been doing, and they've taken on this the new challenge of being providers and, and being out in the what I call the jungle. If you go to indigenous cultures, you'll often see that there's rules, like men are only allowed in the jungle and women are only allowed in the garden and men aren't allowed in. There's the nurturing environments, and then there's the dangerous environments, and you know, for obvious reasons, women were kept out of the dangerous environments because they made the babies, and, and now we're understanding is that there's other reasons for that as well, and that, and this is what my new book's all about, which is that when women are in dangerous situations, or risk situations, or urgent situations, or competitive situations, or where you're doing things primarily for money, as opposed to the nurturing aspect of it, what happens? is the hormone testosterone gets stimulated by those types of activities. And testosterone uh, really does a lot of magical, wonderful things for men, but not so much for women. And testosterone actually lowers the cortisol or stress levels for men, but it doesn't lower stress levels for women. And that's the the new problem that's created. As women have developed more of their masculine side, They, they benefit from that, they enjoy that, it's great, but unless they balance it with nurturing the female hormones, and particularly the hormone oxytocin, uh, then women are going to be more stressed, and that's what's happening today. If we can become more aware of how to find balance, then this new growth is fantastic. And, and so my whole book is about understanding this hormone oxytocin, the nurturing hormone, the love hormone, the cuddling hormone, the hormone that gets produced when you're in a nurturing uh, friendship or when you're cooperating, collaborating, communicating, commiserating. These are all types of activities that will stimulate oxytocin and that will lower stress for women. And then if women find a balance, then their lives are more fulfilled than ever before in history. And if they don't find that balance, then their lives are more stressed than ever before in history.
0: I love the way you explain that in the book and that uh, you talked about men and the testosterone and how men really can sit and not think about anything. And I thought that was – I had to laugh when I read it, but it's so true when they are are, are recharging their testosterone, as you say. But yet women need to cuddle and, and talk it out to feel better. But men really can – I'm going to say stare off into space, but whatever it is that they do to recharge their batteries.
1: <laughs> yeah, stare off in space is fine. We just – it's either a TV set or, you know, if you go to an indigenous culture where there's no TV sets, men are staring off into the fire. <laughs> and men even create religions around uh, closing your eyes and doing nothing, which is meditation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we, we have such a hard time understanding that. Like you say, that women mistakenly expect men to react and behave the way women do, while men continue to misunderstand what women really need. Are we ever going to understand each other, John?
1: Absolutely you know, we can understand, well, we're never going to have the exact experience of the opposite sex, but we're certainly going to understand each other a lot a lot more. We're coming closer together than ever before possible. And that's, that you know, only as, for example, myself as a man, developing also my feminine side, uh, can I start relating more to what women go through. And only as women develop their masculine side, can they begin to relate to the stresses that men go through. So that's that, certainly helps us to come together closer the problem is that as women and this is you know there's always variations in this but there's a theme which is as women move more to their masculine side it's easier for women to shift to their masculine side but more difficult for them to shift back to their feminine it's harder for men to move to their feminine side but when they do go to their feminine side it's very easy for men to come back so it's 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 a challenging thing. And so what I've seen is the problem is I'm faced with people's problems and helping them solve them. And I do. It's very, very quick. And once they understand that what's going on, it's very, uh, many times very easy and sometimes not as easy, but certainly it gets done where they're able to restore balance in their lives. And it shows up as being able to have those wonderful feelings of being in love. I mean, so many people in relationships and uh, you know, they spend a long time trying to find the right person for them, and, and it's a great blessing when they do, and then they go out of balance and, and they, they lose touch with all those wonderful feelings, which is inevitable if we don't know how to, to upgrade our relationship skills to what's needed today in the world, which is, you know, so fast paced and, and so full of stress.
0: It really is. And I, there's so many parts of the book that just really touched me and brought things to home. Not just myself, have experienced, but, but so many of my friends. And one of the things you talked about is that women are the CEOs of their homes and that when, when women return to work, our stress level goes up if the house is a mess and That's things right. need to be taken right. care of. And men, it's the opposite. They can't wait to get home and, and, and relax.
1: And their stress levels go down. <laughs> this isn't just you know, anecdotal observation, which most people would agree with. But this is actually measured in the body. You can measure The Swedish people did a big study on this, and they showed that when women come home from work, their cortisol levels shoot up, whereas for men, they go down. And and for men, as we we were mentioning before, maybe some people didn't really understand what we meant when we said men can actually just sit there and uh, stop thinking. (laughs) The, the, The distinction here is the way men and women cope with stress differently. And when a woman's under moderate stress, there's eight, Times more blood flow in the emotional part of her brain. I mean, this is a huge distinction. You can see it on a brain scan. And for men, when they're under stress, if they can just sort of forget the problems of their day, if they can sort of push all the thoughts out, then their body recovers from stress. And that's one of the major ways for men to recover from stress. And it's, it's much easier for men because. Men compartmentalize the brain. You can see in brain scans that men will tend to use one part of the brain at a time, and particularly if, he, if he's on the left side of his brain where he's thinking about problems, he wants to solve them. At the end of the day, when there's nothing he can do to solve them, and again, solving problems is the primary way that men cope with stress. If they feel confident they can solve a problem, then their stress levels go down. It's when we start feeling uncertain, we don't know what to do, or how can I solve this problem, then our stress levels go up. But the way the man's formula is, if there's nothing you can do to solve a problem, like at the end of the workday, then what you can do is you can forget it, or at least temporarily forget it. And that's what we're good at. And so all we have to do to forget a problem is to go to another part of the brain that's not thinking about that problem. And literally that means shifting from left brain activities to right brain activities. And when a man goes over to the right part of the brain... The left part of the brain literally becomes dormant and active and has a chance to regenerate and rejuvenate itself. In a sense, it goes on a vacation. And the big difference is a woman can go to the right side of her brain at the end of a work day, but the left side of the brain is still working. You know, mm-hmm. She doesn't disconnect from one side or the other. When women use their brains, they tend to use all of the parts of the brain simultaneously. It's like one part of the brain gets active. She has a conference call with all the other parts of the brain.
0: <laughs> it is. It's really difficult. And... There's so many things I love to talk about that, that you've taught my husband and I. And I love how you explain that, like you just mentioned a minute ago, that men love projects. And that made so much more sense to me when communicating with him, because I wouldn't understand. I would talk to him on and on and on, just trying to get it out what I needed to talk about. I didn't want him to fix anything. And then I began to understand when you were able to explain that to us, that because they're project-oriented, I was telling him my problems and putting him into action mode, that he needed to go slay all these dragons for me, when really I just wanted to get it off my chest. <laughs> That's right. Well,
1: th- again, there, there we, th- to understand that, to help men understand this, it, I mean, we wouldn't want to conclude from that that a woman shouldn't talk about problems, but what we want to do is set up the need to talk about problems in a way that he doesn't feel like he's supposed to do something about it right away or even do anything about it, but just listen. And, you know, one of the nice practical techniques in my book that it is very well developed. There's a lot of subtleties to it. But in short, it's to create Venus talks on a regular basis during the week, which is where she basically talks for 10 minutes and he listens for 10 minutes. And you have to set it up a certain way, which is she says to him, you know, I just need to do a Venus talk. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to fix anything. You don't have to change in any way. You don't have to feel bad. So literally, (laughs) you don't have to do anything except just give me your attention. And if you do, and, and look in my direction, that's another part of it. You look at her and you listen. And if she could just explore what's going on, and for some women this is easy, for some women this is not so easy, but the benefits are enormous. It will produce huge amounts of oxytocin and lower her stress levels. And for a man, it becomes very easy as long as he gets the message he's not supposed to do anything. Then his project, because men always have to have their project, as we were just talking about. The problem he needs to solve is clearly identified, which is that she's experiencing stress. And if he can do something to stimulate oxytocin, it will help her cope with stress much better and relax and feel happier. And all he has to do is this listening thing. And it's amazing how effective it is, and it's amazing how easy it is for couples to put this into action. So certainly from my earlier books, people learned that it's important for men to listen and not interrupt with solutions. But here we have a, a kind of a more practical format uh, to put this into action, because often, you know, sometimes men would listen, but they still feel like, oh, I, why is she upset about this, and why is she thinking that? And, and all all you need to do is say to him, really, you don't have to do anything about it. You don't have to fix it. I just need to talk about it for a few minutes, and I'll feel better. And at the end of the 10 minutes, you always let him know that that's helped, and you feel better, and thanks so much for listening. And then it's even good to go in another room for a little while, just so there's no temptation to have a follow-up conversation where he starts – because his – His brain's going to want to go, but why are you upset about this? You really don't have to bother about that. (laughs) I mean, he's really (laughs) going to want to fix everything. He's going to want to talk you out of every upset feeling you have. But if if just little time passes and he gets to see that you are happy, then he will begin to associate that he did do his job. And when he does his job, then he can relax and rest too.
0: You have such a unique ability to do this. And both sides do want to communicate. And there's so much love for each other. But what you've written and what you've designed and what you've taught over these years really just breaks through. And it it is very easy once couples learn to do it, or at least I found it to be as did my husband. And I can say to him, I I just want to talk. I don't want you to fix anything. It's just, just listen to me and and let me get it on.
1: And what's surprising is that men are very happy to do, what's surprising to women is that if you set it up the right way, men are very, very happy to Yes. And there's another thing which is surprising to women that I focus a lot on in the new book, and, and I did it in my original work too, but it's it's just taken a new a new level of development in this book, uh, which is particularly necessary because we're under so much more stress, and that's the importance of women asking for support and how to ask. Uh, one of my, my favorite examples is to think about a guy as kind of like a horse, and, and you know when you're taking your kids on these trail rides you learn you have to give the horse a little kick sometimes and if you don't kick the horse he'll just sit there and and eat the leaves on the tree or whatever or the bush and and you train your kids you say this is how you kick the horse and then you always have to make sure to reward the horse or he won't go on the trail ride you know it's just uh <laughs> so there's those two aspects if i and I, I did is a whole development of this but it's kicking the horse is literally asking a man to do something cuz he assumes you know, everything's okay, I don't have to do it, I can go into my recovery mode, which was inaction. See, men are all about action and inaction. They have to do things to feel good, but then they have to not do things to feel good, and they're always balancing those two, two aspects of action and rest. In a similar way, women are always balancing. So the challenge for women in life is to balance giving and receiving. If you don't, you, you know, giving is so important to feminine spirit to give unconditionally but then it also is just as important to receive and to learn how to receive and to give to yourself and also to allow others to give to you and today that's a big challenge for women because in the old world that we came from women usually worked side by side with women and so they were all kind of giving so everybody was also receiving and now when you're in a relationship with a guy and you don't have women that you're with all day long You need to receive more, and this is part of the problem in relationships. Is women do feel the need for more out of their relationships, and then they're disappointed when they don't get more. And what I teach them is, you have to ask to get more if you're going to get more from a man. And there's ways to ask where you'll get more, and there's ways to ask where you won't get anything. And so there's that whole art to asking. And, And I'm sure then people say, well, what is that art? You know, like any art, you. You know, it takes a little practice and subtlety and exploration. I wrote a book on it, but in simple, here, here's some tips right away that people can put into action. Is so many women will say to me, I ask. and I mean, I've been, I've been teaching this now, you know, over 30 years, and, and particularly this focus on asking for the last six or seven years, and, which is what this new book is based on. And every single time, and I've taught this to thousands and thousands of people in my seminars, there's always some woman who says, oh, I ask and I don't get, or I go, oh, I can't get anything, and I say, okay, when did you ask, and how did you ask? And Oh, I asked, and I ask, I have her use the words of how she asks, and it becomes, within an instant, I explain to her why that doesn't work. And here's one example of that, but a woman will say to her husband, let's say she wants to to, to go out, or go out to dinner. She doesn't want to make dinner, and, and she's tired, and she wants to go out to dinner, so... She says to her husband, do you want to go out to dinner tonight? He says, no, I'd rather stay home. (laughs) It's done. (laughs) And she's finished. And she thinks she asked him, you know, to take her out to dinner. She did not ask him anything. She just asked him, what do you want? And he told her what he wanted. What I'm teaching women is don't be so concerned about what he wants. Be more concerned about communicating to him what you want. So what you'd say is, honey, I'm tired. Will you take me out to dinner tonight? It's as simple as that. What man's going to say no to that? I mean, and then if he does, oh, I don't want to go out to dinner, you just pause and you let him talk, and then you just put a smile on your face. Oh, for yourself, well, have a good time. You know, I'll be happy. And if you don't want to go out, just take me and I'll be happy. He'll do it. I mean, it's amazing what men are happy to do if they know that it's going to make her happy. And that's, that's the little aspect of, You've got to ask, it's like a kick, and then you've got to give the carrot, which is, what's the carrot in a relationship? The carrot is it's going to make her happy. The reason men lose interest in relationships is when they, they get the message they can't make their partners happy. And although women go, well, he doesn't try, she has no idea of all the ways he thinks he's trying to make her happy. Just as women, and of course they're not going to make her happy because he's doing the wrong stuff, but women think they're asking for what they want in all these different ways. They think they're working so hard on their relationships, and they are, but what they're doing is not working, and it's not working because it can't work. It's like they're, they're walking up against a wall going, why doesn't this door open? And then they blame their partners for the door not opening when it's not a door. And it's just understanding how to motivate your partner to get what, to, to, to get what you need. And a lot of women say, "Why shouldn't have to motivate him. And then I could turn that around and say, well, you know, why should he have to listen to you? And why should he have to do romantic things? We we all have needs. And what men need is clear messages from women, clear messages from women about what her needs are and clear messages that it's important and that he'll be appreciated for it.
0: We're learning to speak all over again. Yeah, it's a whole new language.
1: You see, men and women were in different worlds before, and, and our our religions and our culture, it all gave men roles and it gave women roles and it gave us behaviors. And these behaviors developed over hundreds, thousands of years, and now we've changed all that in 50 years. I mean, just suddenly, you know, women are out there in the world becoming like men and and now how do we help them cope with the stress of that? And it's so easy to do once you understand it. Life gets easier and better. It's like technology. You know, I'm sitting here looking at my computer screen right here, and I'm thinking about, you know, that that learning curve. When you get a software, it's all complicated, and you're setting up some kind of system, and it's a big mess. But when you get it working, oh, my gosh, I mean, all the things we can do with computers now, the ease and comfort. Or I'm looking at my cell phone and, you know, reading the manual for it and going through all the things, setting up all the names. But now, you know, I can just push a button, and I say somebody's name, and it calls them automatically. It's, like, amazingly <laughs> easy and simple. The same thing is true today. The potential of passion, lasting lifetime passion and good health and happiness and all these things are right there within our grasp with relationships, more so than ever before in history. And yet the potential for problems is just as dramatic in the other direction. And, and it's just we have to read the manual. We have to put it to practice. We have to set it up. And then it works better than ever before.
0: And the title of that manual, again, I want to say is Why Mars and Venus Collide, Improving Relationships by Understanding How Men and Women Cope Differently with Stress. And John, I'd like to give out your website, which is marsvenus.com, where people can go. And if you're listening online, some of our listeners, you can go right now, find out information about the book and and everything that John's doing. Again, that's marsvenus.com. John there's so many places that I could talk about in the book here but you really got into deeper understanding at least I felt in many ways you've built such a firm foundation over the years with what you taught but to me this book really takes it to an advanced level of study and and into ourselves as well because really we're not really talking about our partners we're talking about ourselves and the way we handle stress and the way uh, we need to communicate. And, and that, that's helpful, not just with a love partner, but everyone in every relationship.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, this, this book is, you know, primarily, you know, I always give examples about relationships, but and it's not just about married relationships. It's about single people, and it's about stress in general from men and women, understanding how our brains operate. And it's also how men and women's brains operate differently helps us in our relationships. But just understanding ourselves, for a man to understand how he will best cope with stress, for a woman to understand how she will best cope with stress, and to give her the motivation to doing it is, is massive. In addition, it, it also motivates us to, for people that are not interested in relationships, it helps point out to us why relationships haven't worked in the past. For so many people, being in an intimate relationship is more trouble than it's worth because they don't know the skills, and they don't know how to make it work. There, there are so many skills involved with anything. I mean, you could just sit and struggle with your software. You could go skiing and just fall down every time, and it just takes a few lessons, and suddenly you know how to do it or play a golf game. Without a lesson, you'll never go anywhere. But if you get educated, and we all need education for all these you know, new things that we're learning and doing, with that insight then something that could seem completely difficult becomes easy. And in this book, so many people have told me that, wow, you know, I was single, but this helped point out to me why so many of my relationships had certain problems in them. And now I realize how I can change that. And when you can realize you can change it, then there's this whole sense of hope and inspiration and motivation and a willingness to open our hearts again. I mean, it's it's like a miracle that happens when people recognize how they've contributed to the problems in their life and that life doesn't have to be so difficult or relationships don't have to be a struggle, then suddenly their hearts open up and say, well, I'll try that again. That sounds great. And, and that whole innocence and optimism and good feeling can awaken. And as a married partner, you know, I've been a married my wife over 23 years, The um, there's many times where you just, get all upset, you're stressed, and so you're more vulnerable to being upset. You get upset, and you think, gee, is this worth it? Then you're able to, you know, with this knowledge, you're able to go, wait a second, how did I contribute to this problem? It's always easy to blame it on your partner and see how they contribute to problems. But then if you look at how did I contribute, and then how can I do it differently, then suddenly your heart opens again, and you can find that love again. But to keep the passion alive, that's a new thing on this planet. I mean, people sort of say, gee, you know, I'm different, our relationship... Passion didn't last, but that's really the way relationships have always been on this planet. Romance and lasting romance is a very, very rare and unusual. But today, if women are actualizing their inner potential, which means they're developing their masculine and feminine sides, then romance is possible. And as men, you know, if men are able to support that process, they automatically will be developing both sides within them. Then what you have is the possibility for a passion It doesn't get extinguished after three to six years. You know, I mean, couples may still have sex or whatever, but that that whole excitement and passion just gets lost. And it's not to say it's going to be there all the time. It's something that gets created at appropriate times. You know, in the beginning of a relationship, it tends to be there, and then we move into other phases. But we should be able to bring that back again and again on a regular basis. And you can if you're able to. They connected while allowing both parts of us to develop. But it doesn't happen the way everybody thought it was going to happen. Everybody thought that men should become more feminine, and that would be the answer. And when men become more feminine, they end up feeling moody and passive and irritable and grumpy, and women lose their attraction to these men. They say, oh, I want him to be in touch with his feelings and share his heart, and then men do it. And then she says, gee, I'd like to be his friend, but... <laughs> I don't want to be his lover.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's so true, and I loved when you talked about that in the book. That you said instead of becoming more sensitive, men need to become more sensitive to the needs of women. I thought that was so well put. Can can you go more into that? Because so many men have said that, like I thought you wanted me to be more sensitive, but I don't think that they're really understanding, and women aren't either. What we really want there,
1: right, right. There's a lack of clarity there, and and you know, and I'll have to. I'll start with the point of view of women for a second, because women sort of created this this movement towards more sensitive men is that as women became more masculine, they needed to come back to their feminine side. And the instinct inside is when you're over on your masculine side, is you feel that if you're with a man who's more, more feminine, more sensitive and so forth, that it will be safe for your own female side to come out. But it's just the opposite in that you know what, uh, when, when you're with a man who is in touch with his masculine side, which means he's attentive, he's interested, he wants to do things for you, he has this active virility inside of him, his attraction to you, his focus on you, his willingness to do things, uh, to do projects, complete tasks. That's the masculine side of us and one aspect of it. And when men, men go too much to their female side, they're wanting to receive. See, there, when a man goes to his female side, he can actually do it much better than women. I mean, women have challenged getting over their female side, which says, hey, I want someone to... As I'm giving freely to others, I want someone who's looking out for my best interest, someone who's caring for me, someone who's there for me, someone who understands me, somebody who wants to give me hugs, kisses, and do nice things for me. That, that's, what she, that, that, that's the part of her that wants to be receptive and receive. And that's what's challenging for women today is to be able to relax and trust that somebody's going to be there for her and to ask for support, so, so to speak. That's our feminine side. And... So women were, were feeling that, gee, if he would just be on his feminine side, then everything would be better in our relationship. And so what I taught women is, no, it's not that you want him to be on his feminine side. What you need to do is be on your feminine side. You know, women would often say another aspect of our feminine side is it wants to share. It wants to share what's inside and bring it out. And. The masculine side wants to take the out and put it in. I mean, you can just <laughs> look at sex and see that. Men want to go into the woman, and women receive the man in. Likewise, in the world, the feminine side, she's wanting to go into herself and be seen, having him come into her, and, but she didn't feel safe. So she thought if he would open up and share, then she would feel safe to open up, too. And the answer is not to make him like a woman to feel safe to open up, because when he does, then he's like a girlfriend and there's no sexual attraction. And you're not going to get what you need. What you need as a woman is to have him come in. And for him to come in, he doesn't need to be like a woman. He needs to become more aware and respectful of what her needs are, and then he can go in to a deeper level. And that's as women have gone to this higher level of consciousness where they want to integrate you know, their, their inner capacity to self-actualize, then it's not just about I want him to see me and and maybe be sexually interested in me, but I want him to be, I want him to see even deeper into me, to my feeling self, to my heart, to how I, how my needs, to my thoughts, uh, to my wants, to my wishes. So it's a deeper need that women are feeling, and if, and, and all you have to do is just train men to be more like men. Men actually are great at researching, for example. We love to look at something, go deeper and deeper and deeper into it, and It's just a matter of teaching men to be good listeners, not to open up and share more. So what you get is these guys who hear the message that, you know, she wants this guy in touch with his feelings, so he gets in touch with his feelings, he wants to talk all the time. She ends up being the one who listens, so her masculine side just gets stronger and stronger, and and his feminine side gets stronger and stronger, and she loses her attraction for him. So in summary, I mean, the... You know, so I could talk about this for a long, long time, but just to hear the stories of it is enough to get the message, which is I would teach these men, before I understood this, women would complain I wanted them to be out of his head and touch with his feelings. So I would teach men to open up and get in touch with their feelings, and I could do that. Men would start to share their feelings. And then after a few months, just a few months, the wives, these are wives coming to me saying, gee, you know, I'm just not turned on to anymore, I'm not attracted to anymore, I don't want to be with them anymore. And I would say, why? And one woman said, you know, well, ever since he started getting in touch with his feelings, you know, he's so sensitive, everything hurts his feelings. I, I feel like I can't say or do anything. Another woman said, I didn't realize he had so many problems till he opened up. I'm not attracted <laughs> to him anymore. <laughs> Another woman said, I feel like he's a child. I can't be sexually attracted to him. Another woman said, you know, I feel like I'm his mother. I have to mother him all the time. I just want kids. I want a husband. I don't want everybody to be my child. So... There were all these reactions, but clearly, you know, I was, giving, I was getting these men to be exactly what these women wanted, and when they found out what they got, it was a Pandora's box, you know, of men going out of balance, basically, going too much to their female side, and what they really needed was to be more on their masculine side and be better listeners, and the women needed to be the ones who opened up and share their heart and share their feelings and share their vulnerabilities. Then as I developed that what I saw is that as men began to listen to women's sensitivities, that men became more respectful of women and that men naturally became more compassionate, they naturally became more empathetic, they naturally became more considerate of women and of the world. And what opened up men to their feminine side was not by becoming more feminine, but by respecting the feminine in women. And that's what happens to men. That's the root. That's how man can become more whole and awaken to his femininity is by honoring the women around him as a man. By being more masculine, automatically his feminine side had a chance to emerge. And, and this was you know a switch from everything everybody was doing, and they're still trying to make men into women and saying something's wrong with men rather than giving men a new solution, you know, giving men the, the training to be more successful in their relationships. Because when men are successful in making women happy, that is a, one of the major pathways for men to become more, more whole. And for women, when they can express themselves in a way to become more independent and autonomous, which is what women are doing, but in that process, getting the support of others, and that could be through their relationships with men or their relationships with, with the world, getting the support they need to stay happy. So the, the, the real key there is for women is... How happy are you? Are you happy each day? Are you relaxed each day? Are you enjoying your work? And are you, you know, sleeping well at night? You know, that, that's the real factor I see for women is happiness factor. Because when women are happy, then men can more easily make them happier. And a man's happiness to a great extent is going to be based upon, can I make a woman happier? or Can I take her to a place of happiness? And unless she's already happy his capacity to do that is severely limited. So another part of my message is for all of us learning how to be complete within ourselves so our partners can take us to a higher level. And particularly the happiness thing, the joy, comes from women. I mean, I mean men enjoy themselves and they can do fun things, but they can't even get close to the joy that you experience by, by providing for, your, for the people you love. And, and that's, that's the highest level of happiness you can have.
0: You explain that so well. It makes so much sense. Stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more with Dr. John Gray and Why Mars and Venus Collide. We'll be right back with more of Explore Your Spirit with Kayla.
1: Would you like to know ahead of time what new shows are coming to Explore Your Spirit?
0: If so, visit the website at exploreyourspirit.com and sign up for Soul Speak, our free newsletter and talk show guide. You'll receive a monthly newsletter with
1: reviews of new shows, along with a guide of upcoming events, workshops, news, and other information. Sign up today at ExploreYourSpirit.com.
0: Hi, this is Kayla, and I'm very excited to tell you that my new book, Nine Life-Altering Lessons, Secrets of the Mystery Schools Unveiled, is now available through Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and local bookstores. Some of you know that I'm a teacher of the Esoteric Teachings at the School of Stella Maris, and in this book, I share nine of the lessons which are taught to students who decide to study the ancient wisdom from the mystery schools. The lessons are designed to stir the soul, awaken the mind, and reveal long-forgotten memories of past lives, as well as inspire you to explore the magnificence of who you really are. Buy your copy today and delve into lessons including exploring the magical universe in which we reside, alchemical transformations of the heart, body, and mind, the hermetic axiom, as above, so below, understand the long-forgotten destiny of your soul, discover universal ancient truths from various mystery schools, and reveal your various bodies of energy and multi-dimensional selves. More information about the book and the Temple of Stella Maris can be found at of Stella is S-T-E-L-L-A, Maris is M-A-R-I-S, templeofstellamaris.org. And while you're there, sign up for the free email newsletter where I answer questions from fans about the book and reveal previously undisclosed information about the book and the Mystery School teachings. My book was published by Reality Press. More information about Reality Press and Reality Entertainment can be found at reality-entertainment.com. Hi, this is Kayla, and you're listening to the song Realign the Lines by Hillbilly Prophet. Download this song and others at reality-entertainment.com. We're back from our break, speaking more with Dr. John Gray about why Mars and Venus collide. John, here's a question I have for you that I'm trying to figure out myself. Women are taught these days that they need to be strong and competent and that they don't need anyone. And many of us have even been told we don't need a man, we shouldn't think that way. But yet, I understand that men have a need to feel needed. And so I find that's very confusing for women. Because at one time, it's almost like they're told not to be vulnerable, but at the same time, that's an integral part of relationships and making it work. What do we do with that?
1: You know, you're absolutely right. I mean, if you look at, I mean, again, we'll look at examples here of the women who are like in their 30s and early 40s who haven't gotten married who want to get married. There's there's women, in that, a lot of women in that category in late 30s and the clock's ticking and they're successful and they're independent and they're autonomous and they wonder why don't they have a man in their life because they would like to have a man in their life. This is for the women that would like to have a man in their life and they don't have one. They wish they did have a man in their life, but they don't have one. And I say to them, I say, well, do you need a man in your life? And it's like I'm literally, you know, you know, you put the cross up, you know, to keep the vampire away. <laughs> it's, no, I don't don't need a man. No, no, don't need a man. Like it's the worst thing possible. Because they interpret needing someone to be a sign of weakness as opposed to one of the most pure expressions of femininity. This is what femininity is all about. It's the part of us that has needs. Uh, if you look at sort of the, the, the strongest part of our masculinity, one of the pure expressions of masculinity is our wants, you know, our desire for more. We want to achieve more. We want to accomplish more. We want to uh, express more and do more. That would be the male side of us, but the part of us that recognizes that we can't do it alone and that we're not supposed to do it alone and that you'll experience greater fulfillment and more greater success by getting help from others, that's the wisdom of our feminine side. That's the part of us that needs and feels the need for love, the need for support, the need for understanding. And, and, and in defining it this way, this is the yin and the yang of, of who we are as human beings. I don't want to imply that as a man I don't have needs, uh, but but my needs are different than a woman's. And one of the biggest needs that a man has is the need to feel he is needed. Uh, that One of the biggest needs that a woman has is to feel that she can get what she needs from others. Uh, I look at this because, you know, again, I'm, everything I do is right from my clinical work. It stands up, it's clear, it's universal. as you look at, at men who are depressed versus women who are depressed, you know, you look at kind of the extremes to sort of see some principles here. But when women are depressed, they often will be saying things like, and even getting closer to depression or lack of happiness at the whole, on a scale. Women will feel like I give to everybody else, everybody needs me, and I give to everybody else. But nobody gives to me. Nobody sees me. I give and give and give, and I don't get. Uh, I'm overlooked. I'm not seen. I'm not heard. I can't get the support I need. But I'm giving to everybody else. You see, so And this, is, this causes a depression, exhaustion, and depletion, and an emptiness inside of women. Uh, now, notice what I'm pointing out here is that she, all that time, feels needed by others, but it does nothing for her level of happiness. Although many women feel like, oh, I need to be in a relationship with a man who needs me, that's usually, you know, she has low self-esteem, but she's not going to be happy in that. Now, you turn this around and you find a man who's depressed. Depressed men don't say, gee, everybody needs me and nobody gives me what I need. <laughs> depressed men say the opposite. You know, they're out of work, basically. They feel like nobody, nobody wants what they have to offer. They want to make a difference and nobody's, you know, needs what they have to offer. And so that's what you'll get as a depressed man. And usually you'll find that happening even in men when they be retire. When they retire, they choose to give up their job, and when they give up their jobs, they're no longer needed by anybody. It's not even a matter of being belief that you're needed. It's it's does somebody need you? I mean it's a little little it's a real reality. If nobody needs you and you're a man, then you're going to become depressed and you're you're Really, the statistics on that is you've got three years left to live even. I mean, mm-hmm. when men are needed, it stimulates testosterone, and testosterone is the hormone that lowers stress in a man. When a woman is needed, it t- stimulates testosterone, and, but it doesn't lower stress for her. But what will raise the oxytocin levels in women is when a woman feels assured that she has support, that if she needs help, that it's available to her. When a woman feels that she's isolated and she's not seen and she's not heard and that she's alone, that's a major source of depression for her. And so many women today are feeling incredibly and increasingly isolated. They're not seen. They're not heard. Uh, They feel like it's all up to them and, and so forth. And that becomes then, you know, over time, a source of depression for them and a source of increasing stress for her. Which is why all my book, my whole book, is about teaching men how to see women, the importance of attention, attention to her needs, attention to her feelings, attention to what she's going through. Because when she feels she's not alone, then the hormone oxytocin gets stimulated, and oxytocin is the relationship hormone. It's the bonding hormone. It's when you feel seen and heard and touched and needed, and uh, and where your needs, particularly where your needs are being, uh, can be met. Somebody's there for you then oxytocin gets
0: produced. To me, I think it got misconstrued as well, that it was trying to teach not to just pour your life into another person, but to become a well-rounded person, uh, woman with interests of your own and things to satisfy you in other ways. And somehow that was taken out of context as into that you don't need uh, a man in that way. And that's not what it was meant to be. It's, well, let's go
1: further with it. I remember your question. I didn't actually answer your question, but that that's correct, what you're saying. And there's there's another aspect of it, which is uh, where we're, we're talking here about women who have sort of disowned the part of them that needs love and support. And one aspect of that is that <clears throat> women used to work all side-by-side side with women all the time, and women intuitively know how to interact with each other to meet each other's needs. And when you're not with women in that nurturing environment, but you're in more of a competitive work environment, even if there's women there, you're, you're now following different rules. She's not going to get her needs met. So then women are facing this new challenge of how to ask for what they need. And they don't want to look weak because, but they don't have any knowledge, no finesse, no role models of how to ask for what your needs are without sounding like you're needy. Now, needy is something that is a turn off, really a big turn off to women. If you get a needy man, he's really repulsive to a woman. And that's these sensitive guys that get really needy. It's just so repulsive to women. It's just like, ugh. I mean, and they don't want to admit that it's repulsive unless it's private, but they just go, I'm not turned on to it. I prefer not to have that. But neediness is, is so awful that um, a woman you know, doesn't want to look that way, and, and then she's seen other women who have been needy, and she doesn't want to look that way, and she knows that men are turned off to, quote, needy women. So need looks very close to needy in her mind. To a man, the world—it's a world of difference. I mean, to me, I can so I can help explain it. But words, again, uh, fall short. I can just give examples, and everybody can relate to them. But so here's something to help women distinguish between needing a man, which is a huge turn on to men, and makes her very attractive to men, and it makes her very happy when she's feeling that she's needing someone uh, versus a woman who's needy, which is a huge turn off to men and uh, and it certainly doesn't lead to a woman's happiness. So uh, if I come home and, and I'm, let's say, I'm expected by my wife to uh, help prepare for a party, and I come home late, and she's, she says, how, how, how could you forget to come? I needed you for this, and I needed you for that. We had to do this instead, and now we're stuck with this. That's needy. That's saying, I needed you, and you didn't live up to my expectations, and you're not enough, and therefore I'm unhappy because you didn't meet my needs. That's what neediness is. It's whenever you're unhappy based upon a need going unfulfilled. Needing a man is not needy. Needing a man is the same situation. I arrive home. She's expecting me to be there on time and fix this and have this and bring home the drinks and whatever. And I arrive home, and she says, oh, my gosh, we're so glad you're here. We still need the drinks. We still have this. There's this problem. Oh, my gosh, now we don't have to do it ourselves. That's needing a man. When you're needing a man, then whenever he can be there for you, there's a positive response, which gives him the message that he's needed, and that makes him want to be there more. But when he gets the message that he's needed but he's disappointed you and he's not living up to your expectations, it just gives him a sense of why bother. And it's kind of like going to a job where they don't appreciate you, so you don't want to go anymore. So it's a, it's a delicate line there. So I wrote about, you know, a big part of this book is under helping women understand why they need a man and what needing a man looks like versus being needy.
0: In your mind, it's a huge difference. Yeah,
1: it's a big <laughs> distinction.
0: One other thing I really want to talk about here is you explain so well to me about why women never forget a quarrel. Can you explain that a little bit to us? <laughs>
1: This is important information for men to have because, you know, men, you can say things to men quite often and, and, you know, all he needs is a few days and he can forget the whole thing. And that's because for men, when there's an argument or a fight, uh, it stimulates aggression and that stimulates testosterone and testosterone will lower stress levels and, and actually end up making a man feel closer to you. Not that that's the only way for him to bond with you, but that sort of explains why young guys will get into fights, and then they become best friends. They bond forever. The girls get into fights, and they become enemies forever. They don't forget. And first of all, the actual act of fighting, which is a sort of aggressive act, that's testosterone producing. Testosterone, while for men, men bond with testosterone, but women do not bond through testosterone. So there's not going to be any productive value in the fight for the woman. But even worse is that when, when women are in a fight situation, their oxytocin levels go down, their stress levels go up, the blood flow in the brain is going to be at least eight times more than a man. And it goes to the emotional part of the brain where is located, the hippocampus, which has what's called the emotional memory, and it stimulates the emotional memory. And a woman's emotional memory, literally in size, is twice as big as a man's, plus in accuracy, in terms of the vividness and the richness of the memory. It's just huge compared to what men will tend to remember, and she'll particularly remember how she felt. And so what's happening is that's why, you know, they say women are like elephants. They never forget anything. They literally have a bigger memory, and when they're under stress, there's all this blood flow to the emotional memory, which causes them to have an uh, upsurge of, of memories where they don't feel safe in your presence. And the last thing you want to do is add more ammunition to that part of them. So men, men with that knowledge, then they can be more careful about any cutting remarks they might make. She'll remember them to her dying day. <laughs> and so you, you just want to, you've made them, you've apologized, you, you know, the damage is done, but you can always keep balancing it. But just know that when she's under stress, there will be times when they'll come back up. But the best thing is to avoid it as much as possible. Just, just minimize the amount of, of comments you make, uh, which could be cruel. Uh, you know, a guy could say, you know, cutting comments to each other, and we can laugh about it, but to women it becomes a, a mark.
0: Did you come this way into your marriage, or as they say, behind every great man is a wonderful woman? Did your <laughs> wife serve to help you with all this research?
1: My wife is, every one of my books, I thank her for sharing the Venusian point of view, because without it I would never know any of this stuff. I mean, certainly a lot of this I gleaned as a a therapist listening to eight hours a day to women, you know, talking about their issues and so forth. But part of it is, is the way I've learned this is there'll be times when my wife just happened to do it right. And when she happened to do it right, I would go, wow, that felt really good. Now, why did that feel so good? And then I'd analyze that. And that's how I was able to sort of map out the ways for women to interact with men so that they could give men the positive messages that men need. I mean, for example, one time I, I, uh, I mean, neither my wife and I are perfect, but, you know, we're moving along, creating this lifetime of love and growing together in love, and that's definitely what we've done through our trial and error, which I share in the book. So it's definitely a partnership. But, you know, there's so many cases where I quote her in my books throughout, you know, these little things she'll say and do to help women understand what works with men. Like, uh, I remember when I, I, you know, for single, my singles book, uh, I was talking about, you know, why men don't propose. That's my book, why Mars, Venus on a Date. And I remember when I decided I wanted to marry Bonnie, and and it was her experience that that gave me this. I mean, we were going off to some resort, and we were talking, and I got lost. You know, I didn't make the right turn, and I ended up in the the wrong state. And, And at some point, I realized I was really lost. Pulled over the side of the road to look at the map to figure out what we're going to do. And, you know, I'm anticipating that she's going to get all upset with me for missing the exit and not paying attention and so forth because in a previous relationship that would happen every time. And in this situation, she was just sitting there and she was, going, I don't know where we are either, but this is so beautiful and look at this sunset. <laughs> and I at that moment, I just wanted to kneel to God and say, Thank you. Oh. <laughs> and it was just understanding the value of overlooking a man's mistakes and appreciating, you know, the adventure uh, makes such a difference, you know, because life is a process of, you know, ups and downs, but you can also say it's an adventure and appreciate it. And, you know, that would be, I mean, there's so many cases where, I mean, one time I was working, you know, writing a book on a deadline and I was working long hours and come up from my office and, and my hands would be really sore from typing, you know, 15 hours in the day, you know, just really the bones are hurting. And she'd get out some warm, salty water, you know, soak my hands in the water, and my hair would be all oily, and my beard would be growing out. (laughs) And she'd look (laughs) at me, and she said one time, she said, wow, I sure am glad I don't have your job. (laughs) And I felt so loved. You know, here it was. was. It was such an amazing thing. And Most women would never think that that would be a great compliment because if I said to my wife, you know, if she was complaining about, you know, a day where she was, you know, all the kids are going crazy and she's overwhelmed, the kids are sick and something, you know, babysitters aren't coming, whatever, and she's like really, you know, exhausted and overwhelmed. And if I looked at her and said, well, honey, I sure am glad I don't have your job. (laughs) certainly would not comfort her.
0: No. But what
1: I learned to do for her, you know, this is where I come into the picture, you know, and and this is, again, I learned this from women as well. I'd listen to the women in my counseling practice and try to find out, you know, what would you like to hear? What would you like to hear? And I learned these things. But I remember that day I said to my wife, I said, uh, you know, she's all overwhelmed and everything. I just look at her and I go, I take a deep breath, you know, like a heavy, deep sigh, you know, releasing the tension. And I say, honey, you give so much to so many people, let me just give you a hug. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, it just makes you melt. I mean, a man would never think of that, you see. <laughs> I mean, if, if I was, like, giving so much and my wife said, you give so much to so many people, let me give you a hug, I don't want a hug at that time. <laughs> but, but if she says, wow, I, you sure do the dirty work, I'm glad I don't have to do that. It's kind of like in me as a man, it goes, yep, I do the rough stuff. I do the dirty work, you know, I do the hard stuff. And that, that's a, it, it's a different kind of appreciation. It's an acknowledgment of, the, of what he goes through that builds him up. Whereas for women, they need more of an empathy and, and more of a consideration and, and affection. You know, really, it's not, gee, you do so much for so many people. You shouldn't do this and this and this, and I'll do this and this for you. What I was just saying, I said, let me give you a hug. You see, it just acknowledges that there's nothing I can do to fix this, but I certainly can love you and that's what the hug is, and so it makes such a distinction to how these little little insights can make a world of difference
0: It really does. I think we should nominate you for a Nobel Peace Prize for relationships with the work you've done
1: well that that sounds great. Maybe one day <laughs> the world will recognize the importance of improving relationships, but you know in the in the context of your show, which is a very enlightening show that you have, bringing in all these very enlightened people and thank you and one of the issues I see on in, in a global level, which is a problem in this world, is that we don't we don't recognize the importance of things things that are important we see as not important, and things that are not important we make important and it's people like you that are bringing to the forefront you know the things that are not really valued by our society and giving value to them that 's what's really changing this world is people can start giving value. To that which is most important I mean the amazing thing I see people they spend their lives worrying about their their the money they make and then they spend it all they worry about their success and then it's never enough and they want more and they go into debt and they they want to buy this and they want this and then they get divorces and their children don't talk to them and they don't have time to be with their partners we spend all this time on our material side when really what makes us happy if you think about whenever you're happy It's when you're just sharing time with somebody you love and you're doing something directly for them. I mean, this is it's not that we shouldn't care for the material side of life. It's just when we care more for it than the personal side of life, which is the relationship side of life. And so people, they don't value that relationship. You know, there is no Nobel Prize for improving relationships. There there is a Nobel Prize for peace, which is close to that, although, you know... (laughs) War seems to be a big part of our world right now, which is, again, it's valuing what's not important. We're valuing you know, domination and control and all those things as opposed to cooperation and sharing and justice and fairness.
0: But we're moving in that direction. It all comes down to communication, no matter which way we slice it. And really that's what you're in the business of doing is teaching us all how to communicate, which is wonderful.
1: It does, and also the the real message also behind what I do is is... A true mutual respect for women and men is that if we have more understanding of men and women, that becomes the foundation of cooperation between mother and father. And when they can create that sense of love and cooperation and raise children in that environment, those children will be capable of creating a world which truly is free of war and injustice and cruelty. Uh, but when 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 people are raised when parents are you know so preoccupied with their own problems that they're not even there for their children and they can't set a role model of harmony and good communication cooperation and fairness and most importantly respect when that respect isn't there then children are not going to be able to you know easily find that and that's the process we're in and that's what's so great about the the new awareness of the importance of relationships, and this is a big change. I mean, we are getting in that direction. You know, just a sign that there's more divorces than ever before, and there's more people that don't want to get married before. Well, those, those statistics seem very discouraging, but it's also a sign of our growing consciousness, which says that I'm not satisfied with the quality of relationships that I'm expected to have here. I want more. So there really is a desire and a need for a greater, higher quality of relationship, which means we're moving in that direction. We just have to figure out how to achieve that, which is, you know, my books are you know, a pathway to do that.
0: They absolutely are. John, thank you so much for your time today. It was such a pleasure to have you on the show. I hope you'll come back again anytime to talk more about relationships and blindness. I look forward to that very much. Explore Your Spirit is on the web. Visit us at Explore Your Spirit.